welcome to another episode of Creepy Podsta, the Creepy Podsta Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Kowalski. You may know me from such shows as this one. Um, maybe Seeing Reddit. This one has, uh, like, 12 times the number of listeners as Seeing Reddit. Uh, so you probably don't know me from that one. Uh, if you listen to that, it's probably because you like this one. Uh, anyway, this is a show where we, I bring on some guests, we read, uh, creepypastas before the show and then talk about them on the show. Uh, if you don't know what a creepypasta is, it's a horror story written by a teenager and posted on 4chan. No, that's very. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a spooky spooky virally distributed internet story, uh, and uh, I bring on guests like this week's returning guests, Judd Matarang. Hi, and Louisa Heron. Hello. And our uh, our story is a little unconventional this week. Um, we've covered some weird things in the past, like we covered the video game series Five Nights at Freddy's, which is not really an individual story. Uh, and this one is a sort of um, it's it's the title of the article that I I got this from is the original story behind Secret of Evermore. So it's kind of an exploration about uh, behind this game's original script that was uh, likely very dark and was changed. Uh, And before we get into that, first, this. Hey, this is Jacob Haller. In my podcast, Tell Me About Your Song, I call up all kinds of songwriters, jazz, rock, folk, electronica, whatever, and all levels of experience from just starting out to established national acts, and I ask them to talk about a song they wrote for about 20 minutes. So if you're interested in hearing creative folks talk about what they do, then check it out at tellmeaboutyoursong.com. Thanks. Welcome back. Wasn't that ad very good? I enjoyed it. Uh, and uh, so we're, ta- we're talking about uh, Secret of Evermore and being the person who remembers Secret of Evermore. Louisa, why don't you walk us through what this whole thing is about? Okay. Uh, I do remember the ads for this game, definitely, this SNES game. Uh, it, the ads had a, a woman singing The Secret of Evermore in the background several times, so that gets kind of stuck in your head. <laughs> Uh, you can see the uh, ad for this online, but there's also a point in which a wolf, like a cartoon wolf, like comes out of its own mouth. That always scared me a little bit. Hmm. And I think I remember playing it, but it was pretty standard gameplay. I think we only rented it. We didn't own it. So I don't quite remember playing it very much. But uh, yeah, this seems to set up the idea that the person who was hired to write the game wanted to make a darker, creepier game than the game that was released turned out to be. So it's just some sort of, uh, not really anything very concrete, but just sort of ideas and little tiny pieces of evidence, and it's just sort of presenting them to you. Like, isn't this weird? Yeah, it's, uh, so it kind of goes that this, uh, this game was being developed by Square, uh, Squaresoft at the time, uh, the company that is now Square Enix, uh, and they were they started a North American team to develop a game specifically for North America, and uh, you may know them from Secret of Mana or Final Fantasy or Chrono Trigger, um, and they decided, all right, we need to get these RPG fans. We're, we're going to have a game just for them, just for America. Uh, and they got, they hired this 22 year old writer named Ed Kahn. Ed Kahn, uh, K A N N is how it's spelled on here. 
and he was apparently let go uh, shortly before the end of the um, like of the development cycle, and then his name is not in the credits. Uh, and then there apparently uh, the translators and script editors had a very big crunch uh, right before the game's release, uh, and so a lot of the game has kind of like a lighthearted script, but then the um, artwork and music and the first commercial, which clearly happened like before the um, uh, game came out, was very like uh, spooky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a preview in a game magazine where it shows a bunch of screenshots and one uh, caption with dialogue, and that dialogue is not in the final game, and the dialogue says, how can you live with what you've done, those poor children? <laughs> uh, which is a very dark thing to happen in this game. That's a great creepy fragment to have, though. <laughs> Just that line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. I mean, uh, I, I think that all it all depends on the context, right? Like, if like if a bunch of little kids had a lemonade stand and I just <laughs> knocked the whole thing over, you know, <laughs> someone could come up to me and be like, "How can you live with what you've done, those poor children?" Yep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, I also have the Unseen 64, uh, edit, which, the, this is a website that goes into, like, betas and unreleased games and stuff. Uh, and they have a lot of screenshots from an earlier version. Uh, yeah, and it looks a little darker, but it's, uh, this is a weird one because it's, there's not a lot of, uh, evidence, but it seems right. Uh, and mm-hmm. the idea that this game was like creepier was, is, is pretty compelling. Yeah. It really highlighted for me why things like creepypasta work. And it's because reading this story, like, I want to believe there's some weird, sinister backstory to this. Like, I want to believe there's creepy things going on. So on the face of it, this story doesn't really prove anything, but I want to believe it. Mm. Yeah. Judd, <laughs> what did you think of this when you were first reading it? Honestly, I was trying to find the part where it was going to get creepy. Um, <laughs> it, it's like it's like a you know uh, a journalist, a persistent journalist who's you know just has that niggling feeling. He's just like, oh, you know, I know there's something hidden here. I just have to find it. And he's you know he's got like a cork board in his room with all the strings you know tied together, and he's like trying to find the the pattern. You know, he's like stroking his chin, and yep. you know. Aside from that creepy quote and some creepy music, uh, he didn't really make a, a persuasive argument. And then the ending is just so abrupt. He's like, <laughs> Queen Blue Garden jumped off a, a balcony to try to hit you. Uh, and then later they say she was a robot. But without the text, it is just a woman hurling herself to death. <laughs> and then that's it. <laughs> it's the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh it's 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 a weird cuz it's not really written like a story. Um uh but it's there the mystery is what's interesting. Like we don't know who this Ed Can person is. Um he wrote a um it's it's hard to find his his other work, but there was a 
piece of his called The Noise Coming from Inside Children. And, like, apparently he mostly wrote short horror fiction, uh, and it's hard to find anything about him. And then there's one person from the production of the game, uh, Brian Fedrow, who keeps talking about it, and he said the game was called Evermore until right before it uh, went gold and was put into, like, production for release. Uh, and then it became Secret of Evermore, uh, which is another really weird thing. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's the jazz of horror stories. It's more about the spooky things that aren't there. Yeah, it didn't quite bridge the gap for me because I absolutely wanted to be convinced that there was some sinister thing going on in the making of this game, but it doesn't yeah. really have anything to give you. Yeah, there's nothing really sinister necessarily. <laughs> like, the worst case scenario is uh, this game was too adult, and so they had other people rewrite the script. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And even the um, ending scene where it says, like, oh, it's only the dialogue that tells you she was a robot. It might have been this woman crashing to Earth. Yeah, but that's really not enough. Like, it didn't flesh out any more of that scene with other things that are really disturbing if they hadn't rewritten them. Yeah, like, that's uh, that's a good example. Like, yeah, yeah, obviously you could rewrite with the dialogue something disturbing happening in the game, but then... Give us a couple other examples. <laughs> yeah, that would have been nice. Of, like, things that happen on screen where the text just tells you that it's not horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the the links to the music might have made it a little scarier, but they don't work. <laughs> uh, I didn't try those. <laughs> yeah, the, there's three YouTube links to music from the game. And, and, and they're just dead. Just, and, yeah, they're just dead links. And um, He provides the picture, uh, and then he links to uh, this article on Unseen 64 that has uh, before and after pictures, like pre-release, beta, versus final release, um, like what yeah. changed. But there's nothing actually inherently creepy about any of those either. It's just like, look, it looks bad before and now it looks a lot better <laughs> yeah kind of yeah that's one of the things i wonder how young the author is because he says like oh you know the 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 art and then the game don't really match up that was kind of common but and but he kind of keeps bringing back to that like it does mean something but i was very used to that growing up <laughs> the box art was yeah. never gonna tell you a thing about the game clearly he's <laughs> never played mega man for any of us where <laughs> mega man is like this dumpy fat guy with a ray gun and he's <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, running around shooting aliens and yep. definitely think- not a super fighting teenage robot. <laughs> I think there's there's something to that, though, because it's, like, very clearly, like, a, a horror image on the cover with, like, the claws around the planet. That's true. Uh, like, at least Mega Man is still a brightly colored sci-fi thing, <laughs> even though it's not accurate to the game at all. I think that they were probably trying to maybe not go darker, but they were probably trying to somehow imply that you should take this game seriously in a way that other yeah. games weren't. Mm. Yeah, I guess that's the like. If this game was made today, they probably wouldn't have. Um, they probably wouldn't have had to change anything about it, and we wouldn't be talking about <laughs> it right now because it would just be like another RPG, and it wouldn't be interesting at all that a dark game was released. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even if they hadn't changed it back then, it would just be like kind of a weird game. Just the. Uh, it's the the fact that they may have changed something. Uh, well, the fact that they likely did change something, uh, mm-hmm. and we don't know what uh, is where any of the creepiness is derived, but also, yeah, this is, as a non-narrative uh, 
piece of horror, uh, sort of. It's not, uh, it's not the best. No. I mean, what's what's supposed to be creepy is the idea, like Louisa said, the idea that, you know, there was something sinister afoot, you know, <laughs> that this Ed Con guy was trying to write something yeah, really dark into the game. Yeah. The, the programmers were just supposed to do whatever they were told, right? They're just, yeah. they're, it says that they're supposed to just do whatever the, the guy who's writing the story says. And, um... I, it's it's really hard for me to believe that someone can get away with writing a, a really creepy, too mature story <laughs> where, you know, bad things happen to little children. And then, you know, take that memo and pass it on to the artist guy. And then he's going to, like, draw it. And then he's going to pass it on to the programmer. And he's going <laughs> to, like, make a sprite and put it in the game. Like, you know, like, there's so there's such a, like, uh, a chain uh, like a hierarchy mm-hmm. of people that it has to go through that if it's if he's really trying something he'd have to be involved in like every step <laughs> of the process. Yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah, it's uh overall it's inter- it's interesting to me because this is something we'll probably never know what it originally was. Mm-hmm. Um but like uh I I haven't covered it on the show but there was this Nickelodeon movie like uh 15 years ago called Crybaby Lane and they aired it once and then they did not air it again for like 10 or 12 years or something. Mm-hmm. Uh and then I fi- I watched it. I got a chance to watch it cuz they re-aired it uh after a long time and so people managed to rip it. Uh, but no one thought it was even real for the longest time. <laughs> uh, and then I watched it and I'm like, yeah, okay, I could see it. Yeah. Like that movie was, this movie was not very good, but I can see why it might have been too disturbing to re-air. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like the legend was better than the movie. Yes, that's the disappointing thing. A lot of the times that's true. Like I saw in England, I saw Song of the South because that's not banned, the Disney movie. Oh, and yeah. it absolutely is racist, but it's just racist on, like, the most benign level. It's just not a very good movie. So it's got this whole mythos about it, but it's just a not very good movie that is slightly more blatantly racist than any other Disney <laughs> movie. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of weird that that has gotten the image it has, because it's like... Mm, Dumbo is still allowed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess because the the racist caricatures are are cartoon animals and not a, a real human being. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, I haven't bothered seeing it. Yeah. like it's not uh, worth it. It's just not very good. But it's no more racist than Gone with the Wind, and that is still shown all the goddamn time. <laughs> yeah, and like uh, uh, it's just like the unironic use of an Uncle Tom character. Yes, <laughs> is is something that is not around at all anymore. But yeah, like Gone with the Wind has grateful slaves. and Song of the South uh, also, but one, the company is like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing. A company suppressing something always makes it like an illicit story. (laughs) That Streisand effect. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess that's probably all we have to say about The Secret of Evermore. Jeff, Uh, I think you should try to get Ed can on the show. Because yeah, I'll, I'll hunt him down. <laughs> Listen, if you can get Chris Straub to be on your show, how hard is it going to be to get some guy named Ed Can who writes? <laughs> I can get stories? any guy named Ed Can. <laughs> yeah, just any. Any. I'll say Ed that it's Kahn. him. 
You can get an Ed Con or an Ed, uh, Ed Cohen. I'll, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'll go to the uh, the Squaresoft mass grave that they have outside of the US headquarters <laughs> and find his body. He's buried with all those ET cartridges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's him, uh, all those ET cartridges, and Final Fantasy Versus 13. <laughs> uh, I guess that's Final Fantasy 15 now, and it may be it's it real. Is. Yeah, that's the thing it is now. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if it actually comes out. Uh, so that's uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, I guess we all have the same spookiest part, probably, right? It's got to be that text mm. uh, from that one screenshot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Although it did give me the creeps to watch the commercial again, and I urge any listeners to do that, oh, because yeah. if... The commercial's also pretty spooky. If you've ever seen that commercial before in your life, and maybe you're not sure if you remember it or not, as soon as you see it again, you will totally remember remember it. <laughs> yeah, it's got the guy being, like, the voiceover being like, the secret of Evermore. <laughs> like, that kind of corny 90s, this is a <laughs> children's product that we want you to take seriously type thing. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, do you guys have anything to plug, Louisa? Um, I'm only gonna plug the other podcast that I do, also with Jeff. It's called Seeing Reddit, and you can find it at Jeff's website, weaponizedlanguage.com or on iTunes, other places. Yeah, please leave us good reviews for that one and share it with your friends. Judd? <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at CephalicStatic. And uh, like I said on the last episode, uh, my girlfriend Brittany and I are working on a new podcast uh, tentatively titled You Should Get Out More, uh, where we go and do a lot of local uh, activities, everything from uh, knitting and ballroom dancing, uh, uh, doing a 5K, uh, anything. And then we write and reflect about our experiences and uh, what we learned and uh, uh, a little bit more about the community. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can. F- uh, that sounds great. I'll mm-hmm. link to that if it's if it exists by the time this episode comes out. Uh, you can find me online on Twitter, J3FK, on Snapchat, JeffJK, on uh, Patreon. Go to my Patreon. You'll get bonus episodes of this show. Uh, maybe I'll send you a spooky letter or some comic books, uh, depending on your how much you give me. Patreon.com slash JeffJK. <laughs> if everyone listening to the sound of my voice right now contributed uh, $2, 2 or $3 uh, to the uh, production of Creepypasta, I could make podcasting my full-time job and not have to go to work anymore. Uh, and if you shared it with your friends enough so that there were uh, maybe twice as many people listening to this, <laughs> then uh, everyone would have to donate a little less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really got this figured out. <laughs> yeah. If if I get more people to listen, then less of them have to donate less money for me to be a full-time podcaster as my permanent real job. Uh, so, yeah, go do that. Um, uh, and uh, I want to find that line to say at the end, mm, how can you live with what you've done? Those poor children. Edcon, if you're listening, call me.
Yeah, he means that sexually. <laughs> sure. All right, I'm going to stop recording. Oh, yeah.